0: This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. If you will, go to 1 John chapter 3, which is our foundational scripture, and remember, we're going to go over some things, and remember, it is very important that we go over things that were taught. I know you kind of get bored with it and be like, okay, this, that, but let me tell you, if you're a student of the Word, you need to go, you need to walk right along with me and follow Things that were said the, last, the previous Sunday and the Sunday before that so that you can be able to have continuity of thought, not only continuity of thought, that I can follow where God is leading me. We always say I want my feet to be like hide's feet. Well, follow. And so you follow by first going back to what was taught so that you can connect the knowledge. A teaching ministry is always connecting knowledge. And where there's gaps in your knowledge, there's going to be gaps in your walk. And so we want to make sure that we close every gap so that we'll know exactly what God is saying. Amen? So we have been talking about a working relationship with God. Do I have a working relationship with God? And we said the first thing that we need to know is how do we approach God and God has been dealing with us there's a way to approach God there's a way let me tell you there's a way to approach God's people which is actually God God said you know the way you do this and that with them and the way you do this and that you're doing it to me you know because God doesn't see like man sees so be careful with that and then we wanted to know how to draw near to him and a, a pathway that leads to him. And we know the pathway is going to he always have given us a narrow path. He didn't even make it wide for you to get into everything. He made it narrow so you could stay focused a uh, straight path to him. And then we want we said, how what did it mean to have a relationship with him and enter into that relationship and make use of that relationship? There's no sense in having a relationship with God and living any kind of way. That means you don't have a working relationship with God because you can't live any old kind of way when you have a working relationship with God. And then we said that God is our Father. We need to establish some things on that. That God is our Father. And since He's our Father, I want to have a working relationship. In the fact that he's my father. We need to know that God is our source. And I need to have a working relationship with my source. We also know that God is our provider. And if I, if God is my provider, I want to know how do I have a working relationship so that I can know how to operate within that power. Within that power and that, in that, in in, in that provision that he is given. Amen. And then we established some things. We established that sin began in Adam and in the garden and and then when, when Adam broke that working relationship with God, there was no working relationship with God until Jesus came. When Jesus came, that, was, that is when the working relationship was restored. But until uh, everything in the Old testament's types and shadows showing you what was to come, but the working relationship was not there because it only come, came through Jesus Christ. And we looked over in John chapter 15. You don't have to go there, just going over some of the things. We see that Jesus said, I am the vine. And you are the branches. And you have to abide in me and I in you. And he said, and when you do, you will bear much fruit. So if I have a working relationship with God through Jesus Christ, then I'm going to have to abide, live, remain, and continue. Please write those down so you'll remember that. If I'm going to have a working relationship with God, I must abide, live, Remain and continue in Jesus. We have to allow him to live in us and remain and continue us. Then I ask the question, do you really have a relationship with God? And so we begin to investigate if we did and to to prove that if, if, do we, and when I say a working relationship with God, I'm not talking about a working relationship based on emotions. Based on feelings, based on things that, but based on, uh, uh based on the proof of the word. See, because you can say that you love God, but if, it, if you're not loving Him according to the Word, that's not proof that you have a working relationship with Him. You're just talking a good talk, and plenty of people in the body of Christ have the gift of gab. But you have to make sure that it's according to the Word. Amen? And then I told you that my goal in this whole teaching is that we, I wanted to minister to all of us that we be in the will of God. That's the most important thing. At the end of the day, you must be in the will of God. I want to teach us the importance of knowing that we have a relationship. That's the objective. And the importance, it's important that we know that we have a working relationship with God. And I'll say the first way that you'll know is that you purify yourself. You, not God. God is not going to purify you. He did all His work with Jesus. That's it. Now you have something to do. You must purify yourself and when i say purify yourself i mean clean it up you got to clean up your thought life clean up you know god is giving you what to think on so that you can change your thought life god is giving you everything that you need amen and i like what it says let's let, let's just read over here in first john uh chapter 3 I mean yes, first John chapter three verse one. It says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the word the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. So when 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 your unsaved family members say, I don't understand you, I know. I know. They, you're not gonna ever receive me like that. No, you didn't receive you. you you're not gonna understand me. Well, I, you know, I don't like going around because, you know, they, I, you, I, I get it. I get it. Be, you know what? Don't be down when they do that. Be excited to say, you know what? I'm walking in the scriptures. Amen. He said, they knoweth us not because it knew him not. Verse two. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear that what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifies himself, even as he is pure. Whosoever committed sin transgresses also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law." And you know that he was not manifested, he, that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not, or doesn't practice sin. Whosoever sinneth or practice sin hath not seen him, neither know him. So don't, don't try to... Tell me that your child, that your, your family member, your uncle, your cousin, your mother, your father, that they know him when they're practicing sin. Because God just said, nope, they've never seen him or know him. What happened? Nobody really seen God. Because I know one thing the Bible said. Well, you know, nobody's seen God. Well, seeing can be also be understood. You, 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 you see him right now. You're seeing him when he's teaching you. That's an understanding. And so you can't even understand him. So I don't care that you say they were born again and they know let's read again what he said. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin at all. Verse six Whosoever abideth, lives in, remains in, and continues in him, does not practice sin. It wouldn't change that scripture to say that. Whosoever practiced sin has not seen him, neither known him. Ooh, he didn't say know him. He said you ain't never known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that practiced sin is of the devil. I'm telling you, cut and dry. No gray lines in that at all. He that practiced sin is of uh, the devil. Like the minister said this morning, uh, you know, it, sin is more than uh, getting a baby. You, you practicing sex outside of marriage. And guess what doesn't, doesn't make that right? Marriage. See, a lot of times we do all that stuff before marriage. we like, oh, now I'm the married woman now. I'm married now. Everything's gift. That doesn't make it Right. Repentance make it right. You know, we, we, we thought, okay, God, I got it right. Let's go on. God's like, I dare you disrespect me like this? Like, you don't owe me a repentance for what you've done. And so God will say, okay, so you've never been forgiven for that. And like he said, there's consequences for your choices. They're, they're going to come. I don't care how, I don't care how you got it right in marriage. Consequences for your choices. And now or later, they're coming. Let me tell you, consequences for sin is just like death. It's a sure thing. It's a sure thing. You're not going to get around it. I heard him say about David this morning, I'm like, God loved David and David repented. But you're not going to get around your sin. And I know sometimes you feel like you got away. Let the years pass. So make sure that you repent. That's the most important thing. Amen. If you've been, if you were or if you are practicing sin. Amen. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin or practice sin, for his seed remaineth in him. And he cannot practice sin. Why? Because he's born of God. In this the children are manifested. This, in, in other words, in this this you will see that a person is a child of God. You will be able to see it. And the, you will be able to see the children of the devil. You will be able to see it. Now, you would, if you look at somebody and you say, well, I know that's of the devil and I know that they're judging me. Well, God did. God said, in this the children of God are manifested, are seen. And the children of the devil. How they matter, like what he just told you previously. They're not committing sin and practicing sin. Whosoever doth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. I mean, God, I mean, he just put it just plain, straight to the point. So we purify ourselves. We have to do that. We have to take it upon ourselves and say, you know what? I need to change. I need to. God has given you the ability to. He gave you Jesus. You don't have to sin. Sometimes, you know, people in Christians they feel like, well, it's no such thing. You have to sin. Why? What? What? What makes you? What? What? Where is that scripturally based that you have to sin? And again, purify just means to cleanse. It means to stop doing the things that don't glorify God. The second thing is to wash. To wash your mind. you got to wash. you got to separate anything in your mind that's running through your mind that's separating you from God. Wash it out. Say, no, that's separating me from God. And let me tell you, we all have thought patterns. And then we said, you must Sacrifice the thing that Christians hate, sacrifice. You have to be willing to sacrifice the lesser for the greater. The lesser for the greater. You And you cannot ever have the lesser and the greater at the same time. you got to sacrifice one for the other. And the greater in whatever you have to give up is being in the will of God. If you have to give up whatever to be in the will of God, sacrifice it. It's the lesser for the greater. You give God room to bless you. Amen. And when I feel like, when I know that I have a working relationship with God, I do not practice sin. I just don't do it. When I have a working relationship with God, I know why God sent Jesus. And I told you for three reasons, He sent Him to take our sins away. He sent him to destroy the works of the devil, and he sent uh, him to seek and save the lost. Sin, we just read, is a transgression of the law. So you can't do things that transgress the law. When I break the law of sin, I mean it's sin. When I break the law, when I break the natural law, the civil law, it's sin for us. When I break the law of nature, it's sin for us. Because God has already laid it down how it's supposed to go. I don't care what society say. I don't care who come out of the closet. I don't care how big it is. I don't care about no L-G-G-T-N-O-P. It's N O P E. Nope. Nope. It don't work. It don't work with God's plan. It's just that simple. You have now broke the law of God and you are in sin. And then there's the law of man and that's also God placed all these laws in effect so that it will keep us in line with his word. So when I break those laws, I'm in trouble. I have sinned. I have to repent. And say, you know what? I was just I, I was just wrong for that. No, I got to get away from that. Amen. When I know that I have a working relationship with God, you cannot. Everybody say cannot. You cannot practice sin. It's plain and simple. You cannot get up. Because what did I say practice sin? Uh, when you practice in sin, you plan it. You plan when you practice sin. Just think about it when you sin. Every time there was a plan beforehand. You're gonna meet them somewhere. You're gonna do this. You're gonna go somewhere. You're gonna do this. You're gonna do that. Or we're gonna, you know, if you if you if you shoplifting, you got a plan to go in. Well, okay, we're gonna go. If it's two or three of you, we're gonna go in this way, and you go around here. You it's a plan because we practice this. Amen. You look at, uh, different things on TV and where people have heists and stuff. They do months and months of planning to do that sin. They, they, it, it, every time it's a, it has to be a plan because this is what we practice. We, we always rob, so we got to practice how we going to do it. So if I always sin, I got to practice how I'm going to do it. Plain and simple. Everybody say practicing sin takes planning. Say it again, practicing sin. You know what? I'm telling you, those of you that have young young youngsters and before they go out, that's, that's what you tell them before they go So just remember, practicing sin takes planning. So if you plan something that has to do with sin, just know you're taking God with you. And when you take God with you with all of that sinning going on, let me tell you, God steps off and lets you practice as much sin as you want. Because it, because let me tell you, and God doesn't have to do anything. It's not like He steps out to go and prepare your consequences. Oh no, it's wrapped in the sin. It's all it's already in the sin. It's already there. Just like if you if you speed the the amount of the ticket, it's already there. They don't make it up when they stop you. They already have, It's already in there. Well, so it, so it is with that. He steps off and said, okay, and because it doesn't happen right away. Have you noticed when you, if you get a ticket, the bill don't come just right away either. So it, it, it doesn't matter that it didn't show up just then. It will show up. Amen. And then I told you that when you practice sin, you might feel guilt, but you don't feel condemnation. Condemnation makes you change. That's why Jesus said, "Now there's no more condemnation. You don't because what I've given you everything. You don't have to practice sin, so you won't fall into condemnation. You don't. You don't, now you might can fall in guilt, but you don't have no condemnation because I've taken care of it. Sin has no more dominion over you. You got. Let me tell you, you got to plan, practice, and push your way through the sin." Because it doesn't have dominion over you. And guess who knows that more than ever, ever and makes sure that you don't, and that's your enemy. He knows there's nothing he can do until you yield. The proof or the, the to know and understand that I have a working relationship with God, I must know that I'm clearly his child. I am a child of God. I must know that I am righteous. I am righteous. Then if I'm righteous and I'm a child of his, I have a working relationship with him. Amen. When, and when I say righteous, I mean when you're near to God, you know you're near to God. You have entered into a relationship with Him. You have benefits from the relationship, and you 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 that you love being around the Word. Now, if you're not a person that love, listen. If you don't love to be a- around the Word and love hearing the Word, you might want to check if you have a working relationship with Him. Amen. And righteousness simply means to be where God wants me to be. So we ask yourself, are you where God wants you to be? And then we went over to Genesis. You don't have to go there. And we looked at Adam and Eve and we saw their transgression and their deceit and all the different things. And we saw that one of the things they did is they hid themselves. And that's what most Christians do when they, they always hide themselves. They want to hide themselves from believers. They want to hide themselves from God. But you know what? You can hide yourself from believers, but where can you go that God is not? You can never hide yourself from God. You can't hide your thoughts. You can't hide anything that God doesn't know about. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He is the Almighty God. He's the All Knowing. He's the great Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning. He's the Creator. How are you going to hide from the Creator? Where? When He created it all. But the thing that gets you is because He's invisible. So you don't think he knows either. So if I hide from the believers, I'm hiding from God. Oh, you got that oh so wrong. Oh so wrong. Amen. So when I have a working relationship with God, I don't have to hide. So are you hiding? Whatever it is, are you hiding? Then you'll know if you have a working relationship with God. Amen. And then to know if I have a working relationship with God, uh, we said that you have righteous character. Character is how you are regarded. Do you have a righteous character? How are you regarded by others? How are you regarded by God? How are you regard yourself? You need to you need to ask yourself, how is my character? Oh, don't use that little deal. I know I'm a brat. I know I'm this. I'm no. Well, if you know that, you ought to change. Because if you know it, others know it. Bad character. Listen, this is another way that you notice. Know if let's just say your child does something, and does something that's that that's maybe wrong, or something that you know children just do things, and maybe it's wrong. And somebody say, they're just like their mother. Oh, they got that from you. Oh, they're just like you. That ought to tell you something about your character. You see a, you see a child that does something sweet or nice, they would be like, oh, you know what? They got that. they, they just like their mother. That's just so sweet. That's so kind. That's how they regard your character. So now you know I need to go back and check. And say, you know what, my character is not on point. I don't want nobody to think that this is my character. You know, we will laugh it off, and <laughs> yeah, but no, it's not funny. It's how you are regarded. That's how people see you. You know, you your your child dive off and scream and holler and act a fool, and they be like, oh, Lord, that way they got that from you." Start so thinking, oh God, is that the way I? Uh, I need to change. Are uh, you regarded? Amen. I know, I know. Getting quiet won't change it. Amen. And then to understand if I have a working knowledge with God, I not only have a righteous character, but I also have a righteous works. Righteous works. Not what you do in church. Listen, work is not church. Listen, righteous works is not church works. Righteous works is how I work in the church. There's a difference. Think on it. I won't stop there. Just think on it. How I know that I have a working relationship with God is that I bear righteous fruit. How is your fruit? I bear righteous fruit. Let me tell you, fruit, fruit flows from the heart. Did you hear me? Fruit flows from the heart. So the fruit of my life is a result of the condition of my heart. Now notice this. Because see, we like, okay, well then, I, you know, if it flows from my heart, I know I'm bearing fruit. But there also can be artificial fruit that don't, don't flow from the heart. It looks like, I'm telling you, I have some lemons in my house. They're artificial, but they look real. Until you go up and touch them and they're hard as a rock and you be like, oh, and you smell them. They don't smell like the lemons, but they look just like it. That kind of fruit, it can even be hanging from your tree. But if, when people get close upon you, they would be like, that's not the real them. Artificial fruit. That's not coming. True good fruit will come from the heart. Then you're bearing fruit. It has to come from the heart. Amen. If I want to change the fruit that I have from artificial to true, then I need to change the source of my heart. If I want to change that artificial fruit that people see to the real thing, then I must change the source of my heart. Amen. And then we talked about, if you're going to know if you have a working relationship with God, you have to... Love your brother. And when I say brother, whenever I'm saying this, I'm telling you, neutral gender, we're not, that, that's the way it's pronounced in the scriptures. Sons of God, it means male and female. I don't have to say male and female all the time. Brothers, that means the brothers and sisters. But for some people, that really kind of bothers. So I'll just say that for you. I'll become all things so that you know you, you can get it. Amen. So, in other words, to know if you have a work relationship, you must love the brothers and the sisters. Are you following me? Amen. And who are those, the brothers and the sisters? Those that believe like you. Those that have the same struggle than you. Let me tell you, we all have a common struggle. Every one of us have a common struggle. And our common struggle is to live righteous. Because we're in these bodies. And we got to contend with that daily. We got to contend with I'm going to be righteous. And let me tell you, it always comes. You always have an opportunity to find out if I can, you know, I got to contend with this thing. I got to, this is a struggle. I got to press. Because you're going to run into people that's going to press that button. So we all have that. So that's my brother and my sister. Everybody, we have that in common, that we have a common struggle. But we all believe the same thing. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We believe that He died on the cross for our sins. We believe that He rose from the dead. We believe that He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. We believe that He took all of our sins to the mercy seat and He poured out everything so that we can be right with God. We believe that. And another thing that we all have in common, as brothers and sisters, is we all have a common enemy, a common adversary. He's the same devil, and he's the same adversary, and we all have him. I know it looks like the adversary don't bother some like they bo- it bothers, he bothers you, but let me tell you, everybody's individual, but it's the same enemy. We all have that common struggle, and we must love each other. And then I said that to know that you have a working relationship with God, you cannot be a hurtful person. You cannot be a hurtful person. And you do not have a relationship with God if you are a hurtful person. You cannot just go out and purposely hurt people. See, there's a difference. Let me show you the difference so you know. Because there's a difference if I say something to you and I inadvertently hurt your feelings and I didn't know it. Now that's not being hurtful. But now if I'm at home and I say, oh, I can't wait to see them. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to let their tail have it. Now that's hurtful because you're planning it again. But now if I say, I'm like, oh my God, I didn't know that that hurt them. That's why, that's why it's not good. Let me tell you, it's not good to say everything in your head. It's not good to, say, you know, you don't have to tell everything you know. You don't even have to tell everything you know about the past. Like maybe maybe something that your mother did or your father did. You don't have to repeat that. That's hurtful. Know when to sip it. No, when to say, nope, not saying that. If you just think a little before you speak, you learn not to be hurtful. And when you catch yourself saying, oh no, where are they? Wait, I can't wait. Woo, let them come through that door. Let them come through that door. Just know you're a hurtful person. And you're looking to be hurtful. We, you you let me... What is the word I gave you? You don't want to be derelict. You're just a hurtful person. No. No. I'm not going to do that. I told you time and time past, i tell you again. I'm never going to be derelict by anyone because you tell me something about them. Never. I don't care. And sometimes people don't understand because of where they are. And so they think, let me tell you. Let me let me let me satisfy you so you you'll know. Now you can take it whether you believe it or not or anything. No one in here has my ear. Not even my children. No one in here has my ear. I don't care how you think, what kind of relationship you think I have with them. I don't care what kind. None of that means nothing. No one has my ear but God. Now, if you kind of hold back because you think, oh, I don't want to say it because, you know, uh, you know, she's real close to Sister Simpson, so I don't want to. Or uh, she's real close to Sister Whitfield. I'm saying these I'm, these are hypothetical because I see them sitting here. And I really want well, I'm not going to say nothing. Well, that's on you. I'm just telling you now. No one has my ear. I listen intently. learn that from my pastor. And I quietly go away, and I assess the whole matter, because I never want to be derelict to anyone. Amen. And then we said, you know, loving your brother, you have to, uh, you, you know, you, if to know that you have a working relationship, and that you abide, you have to be abiding in life and not in death. And when you are abiding in life, you love. When you are not in you know not abiding in love, you're abiding in death you're abiding in death so do, how do you know if I'm abiding in life or death? Do you love your brother and sister? All of your relationships that you have there the, is life in them. If life is not in them, then you, do, you then let me tell you if you don't have love, it produces death, and you can feel that too. Now that brings us all all the way up to our new information this morning. Go with me to Galatians chapter six, and we'll rest there. Keep your keep your Bibles marked in John 1 John 3, but go to Galatians 6. Now let me tell you about this. This one we're gonna deal with. Actually, this is the fifth fifth thing to finding out if I have a relationship with God. You, will you restore your brother? You have to restore your brother. If I'm in a working relationship with God, I will restore my brother, my sister. I will restore. And the dispensation that we're in, Church of the Living Water, God has already told us that He's using us for restoration. So we must be able to restore. Are you following me? Now let me tell you one of the problems we have with restoration. So that we can get it down. Here's the thing. If we are honest. And we're being honest. And we're going to be honest. We're not high on restoration. That's why God said, you know what? Let's deal with that. Because I'm calling you all to restore. A whole a whole group of people, a whole lineage of people. We're not high on restoration. It doesn't rank as one of our favorite things to do, to restore. It, I'm talking about like when somebody mess up. Somebody blow it. We're not so quick to restore. we like, mm-hmm, 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 well, mm-hmm. See that I'm not trying to restore. It's not at the top of our list i'm talking about I'm talking to believers, period. We would much rather let that person go and fix it themselves because they broke it. Believers, you did it. Go through it, fix it now. But if I'm in a working relationship, i got to know I have to be able to restore my brother. Restoration is just not big on the believer's list. And I think part of of the problem is is that we really don't understand restoration. But we're going to understand it this morning a little better. The reason why it's a problem is we don't understand restoration. When a person has blown it, when a person has messed up, when you see their life messed up, we confuse this is what we do. we confuse their position with them as a person see let's just say they were a leader in this church and they messed up or 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 what whatever or let's just say they were the pastor's son, and they messed up mm. Let's bring it on down. We we, we look and we mm mm, mm 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 No, it changed my whole view, and I ain't trying to restore. It, I mean in I mean those are just just some of the things. Listen, it's not big on our list. Because what? We confuse their position with them as a person. And one thing you need to know, restoration is about restoring the person, never the position. It's about restoring the person, never the position. And so what we think is we can't restore that person because we don't want them to get back in that position that they were in. Or we don't want to see them in another light. We don't want to see, we don't want to do, we don't want to do in that. And if they're restored, I might have to see them differently. But restoration doesn't have anything to do with the position they may or may not have hold. Or the position that they may or may not, or, or may have to give up. Or their position that they may have given up based on decisions that they made. Or wrong choices that they made. We're talking about the person, not the position. Did you hear that? We're talking about the person, not the position. Stop looking at positions. They were a minister. They were the pastor's son. They were the pastor's daughter. They were the minister. Oh, they were this. They was that. Oh, well, she can get up and minister like that. But look, you don't want to restore. You're that same hurtful person. And this is what we need to understand. We're not talking about the person. We're talking about the person. We're not talking about the position. And some people, when they are restored, listen. They know it, and the person that's, that's leading them know it. Some people that have been restored will never return back to the position they were once in. Some may or may not. But some don't. And for God, everybody say, for God. For God, He's not really concerned about the position as much as He's concerned about the person. That's what God is concerned about. He's not so much... See, that's people. And you're not going to change the thoughts of people. God's Word has to wash you to change those thoughts. So God is not concerned... He's really not concerned about the position because God can always, everybody say always, He can always refill a position, but He cannot, God needs that person. He needs them. You don't need them because, you know, now you're too holy. Now you're too holy. God's going to get to that in a minute too. But God said, listen, don't worry about who they belong to, what position they have, whether they were a minister, whether they were... Let me tell you, I know how to... Let me tell you, I got my leaders to handle that, not you. You just look to restore. Chapter 6, look at verse 1. Brethren... If a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself lest thou also be tempted. In other words, they just messed up and it's over I'm through with them. That, that, that means that's what you're pretty much saying. I love what he said. I love the part that he says, restore. Let's read it again. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one. In the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Now, I love that part. The reason that we want to restore. Why? He said, you better think about yourself. I want to restore because I have to think about myself. I need to think about myself. He said, lest you be tempted, something will come up on you. Then what you're going to say? So before I look with somebody and start judging and say, "Mm, mm, 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 mm," consider yourself. How many of you know By the grace of God. Just by the grace of God. It was not, you know, if not for His mercy and His grace. And some of us did so many bad and wrong things. We did everything we could do to to be overthrown. And God's mercy and grace kept us. And we have the audacity. We did everything we could. We wouldn't listen to the pastor. We ain't listen to the nobody. We ain't listen to our parents. We ain't gonna do what we want to. We gonna stay out. We gonna do all of that. We, 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 I mean, I'm, I'm talking about things that we used to do. Listen, we, we were all once there. But God's mercy kept us when we were acting a fool. His grace kept us when we were acting a fool. So just just so you know, it wasn't anything you done on your own to change. It wasn't anything. Well, I decided I change. You ain't done nothing. So we gonna he gonna tell you right here. He's gonna tell you. Just hold up. It was all grace and mercy. If it was up to our choices and the way the the way that we were going, all the things that we were doing. We should have been destroyed. We shouldn't even be here. You well, let's put it You shouldn't even be in the Church of the Living Water. Just, just, just been just out there on the byways and highways, just anything. If it wasn't for grace and mercy, but God's grace and mercy. Let me give you a great illumination, and maybe you can see it a little clearer. Absent. From grace. And absent from mercy. We would be who we were. It ain't, it ain't nothing that you did of yourself. Let, let God take his grace and mercy away. And see who you become. You would be who you were. So don't think you've been, you know, you've been in the gospel so long and you walking so holy that you cannot be who you were. <laughs> Absent from God's grace, absent from God's mercy, we are exactly who we were. So don't get so high-minded that now I'm holier than thou. My light is too much for your darkness. Uh, no, you. No, I. I'm holy inside and out. Let God raise her. Just look. Well, you know what? He don't even have to do it. From time to time, you know that 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 same person you were is in there. Sometimes he peeked through. And you. So you like, ooh, ooh. It'd be like, uh, act the fool right now. Go on and act the fool right now. And sometimes you can almost get there. You be like, oh, mm-mm, mm-mm. no. So absent from God's grace and absent from His mercy, we are exactly who we were. It is His grace and His mercy that has made us different. Much different than we used to be. If you take away that grace and mercy from anybody, anybody that's streaming now, anybody that's streaming later, anybody in this room right now, including myself... Take the mercy and grace away, and we would be exactly what we once were. Every one of us. I am who I am by the grace of God, and I will boldly say it. I know the word now. It's the grace. And without that grace, I would be who I was. And I'm here to tell you, you do not want to know Alva Wilson, who I was. But the grace of God, because if we all tell the truth, again, who you were is still in there. (laughs) Again, you can feel him from time to time, still down on the inside. Let somebody do something to you real quick. You'll say, ooh. And, and let me tell you, and, and, and you can feel when the grace comes through on it too. Because that, that 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 old you say, what the? And God said, no, don't go there. Don't you dare. Misbeliever. And you would be like, get down, get down. Get back down. God's grace and his mercy. I'm not just talking about me. I hope you're feeling this. Every once in a while, when that old person speaks, speak, uh, you know, just peek through, just for whatever, I believe that God allows that just enough to humble us. To let you know you don't really have the. I want you to know I'm here. I want you to know you're not in control. That person can come out anytime. I believe in my heart. Every now and then God will just eat that grace just a little. And that old self start acting up. And God said, now, and, come on back now. Just want you to. And then you humble yourself and say, oh, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, God said, just enough, just enough to humble you. Especially when you just start to act like, you know, you are there. You've obtained. He'll show you his grace and mercy. You hear somebody falling behind you? Grace and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Thank you, Lord God. I slow down, try to let her catch me. The twins catch me, twins. Stay with me. Oh, I can remember time. I, none of that was in control. None, none, of it. I mean, you, you, you remember? I'm, let me, I'm gonna show you how quick that that person. You could just be walking around. Here's some music from that old time. And them hands go up and you and you be like uh oh wait a minute, let me start sweating like yeah. No, because that old person be like, Oh, oh, you know, you like oh I know that. I hope they didn't see me. You know, because you you almost twerked. You almost twerked, And you remembered up, uh, you was like, ah. Oh, oh, hallelujah. Yeah. Because they oh if not for the grace of God. You pass by one of them old spots. And you even start saying it to yourself. Boy, I had some time. God said, listen, you are born again. I remember that. Oh, yeah, I remember. Uh, God's like... <laughs> Just remember, just let you know, grace is covering you. And then you be like, yeah, that was, uh, that was, woo, thank God I'm out of, you know, you almost feel good about it. Then you realize that grace says, "Uh, that ain't you. Then you would be like, I'm glad I'm out of that mess. But you almost got tickled about it. I remember some times there you looking at and meditating on it. That's who you were. It's only grace and mercy. Everybody say grace and mercy. Grace and mercy I'm so thankful for. I love when grace and mercy correct me and say, You're a new creature. Old things are passed away. And you'd be like, Yes. Yes, Lord. Just calm down, girl. Calm down. It's amazing. <laughs> Listen, this old flesh... And what the minister was talking about, the body, this old flesh gets crucified, but it's amazing how, the amazing power it has to take itself off the cross. It has power. I mean, you be, that did it. You will come off the cross in a minute. All you gotta do is hear something wrong on TV. You what? You, you, off the cross. So if I know that, and I know it's God's grace and mercy, and it has nothing to do with me, what do I do? I travel with hammer and nails. Every time that flesh get off, because I say, get back on it, get back on it. I'm hammering you right back up there. Thank you, Grace, for reminding me of who I was. Because you're going to run into people that, they, they're not where you are. And the enemy knows i got to pull them out because well, guess why? The enemy knows sin has no more dominion over them. i got to get something to make them sin. Because I just can't have dominion over them like that. This is what you need to ask yourself. If you can't understand, those of you that are streaming, those of you in this room, those that are streaming later, if you don't understand how a person can, sometime, can get something wrong or can miss it, you're in trouble. Something is wrong with you. If you can't understand how a person can fall, something is wrong with you. If you don't understand, I don't know how they can do this, how they can do that. No, you are wrong. Something is wrong on the inside. I don't know how they could blow it. Something is wrong on the inside. And I'm going to tell you what you need to do you need to put on the spirit of meekness, lest you be tempted. Look at verse 2. Bear ye one another's burdens. Bear ye one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. See, I told you, you ain't nothing. You ain't done nothing. Yeah, I changed that. You have done. When a man thinks he's something, or he done something, you've done nothing. And you are nothing. You deceive yourself. If not for the grace of God, who, what are you? Who are you? You're nothing. You deceive yourself. You know, that preaches itself. That's just one of those verses. He just plain not said it. No, I mean, no filters. When a man he is something when he is nothing, you deceive yourself. You don't need Greek, Hebrew, Arabic, or anything to tell you that. I mean, it's just plain and simple. Thinking you're something when you're nothing. So let's understand what does it mean to restore. Restore means to mend. Here's the thing. When a person is overtaken in a fault, they are broken. Listen, listen to me. When a person is overtaken in a fault, they are broken. When a person really blows it, I mean make a big mistake, make any kind of mistake. I mean, they really, let me tell you, they are broken because it has cost them something. you mean you don't have a heart for that? It has cost them something. You're busy looking like the world looks. You're busy trying to look at them and judge them for what they've done instead of understanding they are broken. And it has cost them some things in their lives. And when they realize what it has cost them, it leaves them broken. It leaves them in a broken state. So they need to be restored. And I don't get it. We, I mean, we were once young too and made mistakes. But see, we get so religious and get so far away from it, we forget about all our mistakes. Now I need you to be perfect like me. If not for the grace of God, if not for the grace of God, they need to be restored, they need to be mended. Now think about it in your own life. In your own life. Because all of us, streaming and in, in, in this room, all of us, all of us, at some point in our lives, on some level, we were left broken. Just think on it. Different things that happened in our lives in the past. And different things. There have been things in our lives, every one of us, Stop trying to make people think that you were saved from the wound. You were not. You were broken with choices that you made. And you know what? Guess what? When you were broken, you didn't, even, you didn't need nobody to tell you you messed up. You knew it. You knew it. You didn't need anybody to tell you how bad you were. You knew it. This is really bad. Well, they know it's bad. You didn't need anyone to say, man, you really messed up this time. This is, this is you know. <clears throat> but if we look at it, how it left you on the inside was broken. And what you needed was mended. You needed mending. And that's what people need now. Mending. And let me tell you. See, we always look at the outer things and we say, okay, they need mending. They need need it. The very ones that you think don't need mending, they're the ones that need it the most. They're the ones that need it the most. The ones that maybe never told you they were broken. They need it the most. So when I love my brother or my sister, I mend them. Restore means I make them what they ought to be. That's what I do. I make them what they ought to be. When a person is overtaken in a fault, there's something in them that is, that's not the way it ought to be. So what am I going to do? I'm going to help them be what they ought to be. Restoration says we're going to work to make sure that you are the way you ought to be. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do why? Because I'm a believer. Now, I want you all to just think on this. My whole job, I'm talking about me as pastor here. My whole job is restoration. My title might be pastor, but I mean, what is what is what, what what falls upon the pastor? Restoration, my whole job. Guess what? The whole function of this church is restoration. We got our orders. The whole function. So we need to tell ourselves: if you can't come to be restored. And don't want to help somebody else be restored. That's the whole reason we exist is to restore. Think on it. Our whole reason to resist. Let me tell you, you don't have to make up different things about your children doing better than what they're doing. They need restoring. Restoring that's what we're here for. Not to judge them, but to restore them. They are broken. They can't tell you, I'm broken. But if you were on the inside. But you don't have to be on the inside. All you got to do is be on the inside of God. He'll let you know. They need restoring. They're broken. Now could you imagine if you came to this church, those of you that are streaming, and I never ever taught you anything, anything that uh, of about the way you ought to be, and you left broken. I only allowed you to work in this ministry based on the mess or the mistakes that you've made before you got here. You wouldn't like that, like oh God she's not giving me a break. Your founding pastor wasn't, wasn't like that and neither am I. Now what you think on, on, on how techniques or what God tells us to do with you is on you. But it's always to get you where you ought to be. Always. I don't care how you get in somebody else's ear and you tell them that this is not what she really meant and I don't believe that, everything like that. None of that matters. I'm telling you my heart. Nobody knows my heart but God, and I'm telling you my heart. And this is what I'm going to ask Church of the Living Water to do. I want you to take my heart today. The same heart that I have, I want you to take I want you to take it. And when you take it, I want you to minister it to your brother and your sister. So you know what? I have to have the same heart my pastor have. Pastor, you know so and so, they're in ministry and I know that they're going through some things with their family. You know, they're broken. And they're here to be mended. Mended. So when you tell me that they're, they're broken they're here to be mended if you would understand this about me and take my heart in this because I took my founding pastor's heart on this matter and if you could take my heart in this and you can understand this you won't, you, you won't walk outside your bounds because understand this every one of you it's not your job to decide who works in the ministry. That's my job. It's not your job. It's not your job to decide who gets the mic and who don't. That's my job. I don't think they need to. I don't think that it's not. That's not your job. It's not your job of who stands Where? That's my job. See, if you are busy restoring, you won't, you won't step out of bounds. Everybody is here for the same purpose. And it's my job. Everybody says it's the pastor's job. To give people the opportunity to become who they ought to be. Did you hear me? It is my job to give everyone an opportunity to become who they ought to be. Sometimes that means sitting people down. Sometimes it means standing people up. See, uh, see, carnal people sitting down mean you're stopping me from being who I ought to be. No, no, no. When you've done something contrary, then you sit down so I can teach you how you ought to be. When it's time for you to get up, I make sure that I extend my hands, every minister extend their hands, everybody in the extend their hands to lift you up, to get you where you ought to be. And I'm not trying to look at those that do eye service. Take my heart. Take my heart and you'll know what I'm talking about. Restore also means to strengthen. When a brother is overtaken in a fault, they're in a weakened state. I don't care how they play it off. They're in a weakened state. They need to be strengthened. And put a pin in that statement, need to be strengthened, because in the coming months or in the new year, we're going to deal with strengthening, strengthening, what, what this ministry needs, strengthening. See, strengthening each other. They are in a weakened state. We have to get to a point, church, of the living water. We have to get to a point where we are strengthening one another. Not tearing one another down. But strengthening one another. We need to fortify one another. Listen to this and listen good. I want you to listen and I want you to listen good. This church... Church of the Living Water, we don't need any new members. We need to have a bigger heart for the members we already have first. I know, I know. That kind of threw you off, didn't you? We don't need new members. Why, why do we need new members when we need to reach we strength? We need, we need to have a heart for the ones we already have. So when the new ones come, we'll be ready. We need to have a bigger heart for the members we have. Now, God will always add to the church because the Bible says that God adds to the church. So we're not concerned about trying to go out and get members or trying to draw members or trying to do all of that because we need to just strengthen and we need to have a bigger heart for the ones that are here. And let God add to the church. When you do that, God is going to add. See, we can't get so worried about addition and then uh, we have a huge subtraction over here. Because we can't even strengthen each other. Huge subtraction on the other side. Because, see, if people come in broken and nobody works to mend them, works to restore them, they leave the same way, broken. Broken. It's, I don't want it ever to be said that someone left here broken. I mean just left the service broken. We cannot be so focused on how many people we get to the altar of God we, we, and forget who left the altar, altar without Him. Just doing something. Who left the altar and never came back? That's what we're concerned with. Not how many came. Again, I'm talking about the work of restoration. Restoring. Because, see, restoration happens after salvation. It happens after salvation. That's a, working, that's a working part. Now go back to 1 John chapter 3. Go back to 1 John chapter 3. I told you to keep your pen there. Note this. How do I know when I have a working relationship with God? I lay down my life. When I'm near to God and have entered into a relationship with God, when I'm abiding in Him, living in Him, remaining in Him, continuing in Him, I will lay down my life. Now watch this. I don't lay down my life for anybody, just any, anyone I lay down my life for the brethren. Did you hear me? I'm not laying down my life for just anyone. I'm laying down my life for the brethren. And the sisterin, Just to be safe. All of us in the body of Christ. And listen, laying down our lives for the brethren is, is how we manifest our love. It's not a bunch of talk. Jesus told us clearly no greater love than this, than a man will lay down his life for his friend. And in a few months we'll be celebrating the birth of Jesus, the fact that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever will believe on him would not perish and have everlasting life. That's what we celebrate. Jesus made a conscious decision at the cross. He said, "Not my will, but your will be done." He made a conscious decision in the Garden of Gethsemane to lay down his life. He made a conscious decision. Herein is love, not that we loved God. But that he first loved us. He first loved us and gave his son as a perpetuation or payment for our sins. That's called a sacrifice. That thing that Christians don't want to do is sacrifice. And you need to understand this. If what you do or what you've done, listen, did not require a sacrifice to do, then it may not have been love. You may was doing it for a reason to be seen or to be what because it's gonna require a sacrifice. It, a sacrifice. It's gonna require love. Because see if you only love up until it's not personally uncomfortable, that's probably not love. It gotta be uncomfortable. See, all of you, you, you're willing to do certain things like the session the that's coming up. Now I'm getting uncomfortable. That's when it becomes a sacrifice. See, I'm good until it comes to personal sacrifice. Now I have an issue. I'm good until you start talking, and they talk about having a meeting about pastors' compensation. Now I'm getting personally uh, uncomfortable. I don't, uh, mm -mm. I don't want to sacrifice. There's no love involved. Because sacrifice will go beyond that. And as a matter of fact, let me say this about pastor's compensation so you know. I don't want you to think when pastor's compensation is not doing anything, or you're not doing something, for, it's not a love offering for me. Your pastor's supposed to be taken care of. And that's something that the founder pastor left in pay. So, if you never give to me, oh, you know what, just tell me, just tell, tell me what you think of my ministry and this ministry. Because that's what you're doing it for. You're not doing it personally for me. Like you're giving something personal to the pastor. Now, now, maybe, uh, I don't know if you, you all are doing something or not for pastor's, uh, pastor's appreciation. Or anything. Now, that's giving to me. And that's something that you, you can do if you want to do it or not. For pastor's compensation. So, it's compensation Go ask your boss what compensation means. Maybe you'll understand it better. You don't understand it in God's terms. But even if I'm telling you, even the assessment, I I heard the minister say, it's coming up next Sunday. All of a sudden it made you uncomfortable. Because now it's it's personally invading what I want to do. That's why a lot of marriages struggle. Because they'll love only up into their personal comfort. But then, when it requires me to be uncomfortable, when I can't get what I want or have what I want, I, I don't want to go beyond that point. Now, I'm going to have an attitude when you walk in that door. That's why you hear people say, what about me? (laughs) You know, in 43 years of marriage, I never heard my husband say that. He always said, you and the children. That was first. I did all the buying for him because he was like, just as long as you and the children have, I'm good. Never once in 43 years had I ever heard him complain about one thing he never complained about one thing i did for the children or myself i never heard him say what about my life see that's what's wrong with marriages now that's what you need to know about marriage Because see, in marriage, you, now you're asking me in marriage, you're asking me to love in a way now that's gonna cost me something. And yes, men have a big responsibility in marriage, but you women do too. You women do too. Because see, sometimes after the marriage goes, you know, because you don't last new long. Never does. Never does. Never does. And so, you, you you know, marriage, you know, as it go on, and then you start thinking to yourself, I really didn't get into marriage for it to cost me. I got in it to benefit me. And that's trying to cost me. What you really said, I'm willing I'm to love you up to a point. But now you're asking me to make some... Sacrifices. We don't need to spend money like that no more. Now you're asking me to make some sacrifices because I want to spend every dime you have that you bring in this house. I'm your wife. See, see, there's a balance. See, because you know, with, with what the minister was teaching, money, which was straight truth from the Bible and stuff, but he's 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 ministering from an angle. He, and he told you where it was coming from. And I can remember, And I can minister from this angle because I know where women come from. Know all about the modella. So now it comes to sacrificing in marriages. Like, hmm, I went in for all of this. That's really not what I got in this for. I got what I, you know, what I think I wanted out of, but now all this other stuff is coming up. But that's what you said at the altar or wherever you got married. But that's what you said. See, you probably was not paying attention. You probably weren't paying attention. You never pay attention when you try to get what you want. <laughs> You weren't paying attention to what was said. Let me tell you what's the most dangerous thing on a wedding day. Is repeat after me. Oh, y'all missed that. The other day, because you better listen to what you repeat. It's dangerous on a wedding day to say, repeat after me. Marriage is not no plaything. I'm not really in it for that. But that's what you said at the altar. Pay and pray attention. Again, it's a dangerous thing for someone to say, repeat after me. I mean, you in sickness and in health, in sickness and in health, the death to us, the death to us, part. Richer or poor, richer or poor. And I do, yeah, I will. I will, yes, I do. I will. Do y'all see this stress? Do y'all see this? Don't he look at it? I do, I will, I do, I do. And I love the part, and rich and poor. And poor comes. And you're like, hey, what happened? What happened? You said it at the altar. You forgot? I give unto thee all my gift. Well, okay. She spent money. Well, you said at the altar she could. I know you don't remember because you were getting what you wanted. The dangerous thing on a wedding day, you better know what you're saying because it's coming in the marriage. A honeymoon is not a marriage. The wedding day is not a marriage. The wedding week is not a marriage. Actually, the wedding month is not a marriage. You're still playing house. You are... Pro- I won't even have to tell you. You know when it's really marriage. <laughs> oh, married people ought to know what I'm talking about. You know when it's really marriage. I don't even have to tell you. you be like, now this is marriage. Yeah. And you don't sound all that. Ah, the marriage. It don't even sound that good no more. This is the marriage. Hmm. What? Marriage. marriage? Did you say marriage? Oh, yes, this is the marriage. Uh, yeah. Marriage is work. It's a beautiful thing if you know how to work it. I thank God for you just getting married in here. And I thank God for the Burris, you know, the the, uh, the young Burris. His handsome self, looking like one of the t- temptations, low-skinned. Look, he looks just like a saxophone, don't he? Low, low, low-skinned. I, I, you know, I, I thank God for that I want the best for him in Savannah. I want them to wreck it. But you, you, but you better be paying attention. You better be paying attention closely. Throw away all of your preconception, preconce- knows. Uh, 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 what you thought it should be, or what you, even what you think it should be, throw it away. And say, God, build us. Build us. And He will. Right in this ministry. I don't know what's in any other ministry. I just know what's in this one. And you're going to be built. Are you with me? So it's a dangerous thing, but. If I marry you, uh, the other pastor, he'll marry you. we just going to smile when I say, repeat after me. And you'll remember this day and say, I'm ready. Amen. So when you say, all my worldly goods, I did end all. And oh, and I love the word, say We want to write our own. Okay. Just remember everything you're writing down. Because somehow you're going to forget when marriage really comes into play. Not the wedding night. Not the honeymoon. That's not marriage. Amen. Uh, look at verse uh, 16. Verse 16. Hereby perceive ye the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whosoever hath the world's goods. And seeth his brother have need. And shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him. How dwelleth the love of God in him. My little children. Let us not love in word. Neither in tongue. But in deed. And in truth. Watch this. When I lay down my life. What I'm saying is my life. It's not my own. When I lay down my life... And that's just not the husband's responsibility. That's the wife's responsibility as well. The singles, the ones that are unmarried, that's your responsibility as well. When I lay down my life... Is it? I understand that my life is not my own. When I lay down, I'm saying I'm not. Re- listen, listen to this, closely. When I lay down my life, I'm saying to myself, I'm not seeking earthly rewards. But hold on, this is laying down your life. You're saying to yourself, I'm not really seeking an earthly reward. You cannot seek an earthly reward and lay down your life. You cannot. Now, just because you're not seeking an earthly reward, reward doesn't mean that you're not going to get an earthly reward. So did you get that? You're not seeking it, but it don't mean you're not going to get one. It means that I'm not putting everything on in my life not just to get an earthly reward. I don't have to seek that. I lay down. my. I'm not my own. I'm not seeking all of that. But it's not to say you won't get it. You're not laying down your life for something in the natural. Now, whenever you lay down your life, there's always a natural temporal benefit. Did you hear me? But that's not why we're doing it. I said whenever you lay down your life, there's always going to be a natural, temporal benefit to us. But that's not why I'm doing it. It's just going to come on back. It's always wrapped up in laying down your life. You're going to get benefits from it. When we lay down our lives, our fulfillment is in the life and, and putting things in the life of others. That's a fulfillment. You get fulfillment when you put it. See, I'm, uh, this morning I'm getting fulfillment because I'm, I'm, I'm giving out in the life of someone else. You will always tell whether or not you have laid down your life what, by what you're looking to find fulfillment in. What are you looking to find fulfillment in? Let me tell you, if you think you're looking to find fulfillment in a husband, let me tell you, you ain't laid down your life yet. If you feel like you're going to find fulfillment if you just get a wife, you haven't laid down your life yet, you got to lay down your life. Those things won't fulfill you. (laughs) And if if you're looking for what you can get, what you can have, what you can receive, what you can obtain... If that's all you're looking for, you have not laid down your life. I'm just looking for what I can get, and I'll guarantee you you're unfulfilled, because all you're doing is looking where well, when is somebody gonna give me, and when, when when am I gonna get something, and when am I when 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 can I get something? You know when where when do they have something for me? Do they have? I promise you, you're not fulfilled. Cause you'll never ha- ever have all that you want. Unsatisfied, never content. You'll never have all that you want. You know, every year, and Patsy was always like this too. Every year, and it's probably the same in all your in all of you all's homes. You, you know, they, you know, your children ask you, "What do you want? What do you want for Christmas? What do you want for Christmas?" And I really don't want anything because actually, my satisfaction is making sure that they have. That's just where my satisfaction is. That's where my husband's satisfaction was. He didn't care about nothing. I come out with something, he'd be like, babe, you didn't, I, I no, I didn't have to, I wanted to. You know, because I didn't, you know, it, uh, nothing. And then he'll put his to the side and then he'll watch the grandchildren do whatever they're doing or whatever, you know. Because the fulfillment actually is in when others get. Not what I, you know, it's not you know. You'd be like, well, you know, uh, what do what do y'all, want? you know, what, I just want to sit down somewhere. I'm good. Now I appreciate because every year they do get me something. They be like, okay, and so I'll be like, okay, what do uh, what do I want? Or what do I say that I want? Or you know, because that's not where my fulfillment is. And when they do give me something, I appreciate it. I do appreciate it. But that doesn't fulfill me. The fulfillment is that they're fulfilled. And that should be man and woman. Now, husbands should lead up their home in it, but a woman, you let me tell you, woman, you're not going to get off the, see, I know how you hear. Especially those in church of living water. See, y'all heard this this morning, and again, he came from an angle and he told you he was. But you didn't hear that quite as loudly as you heard all the other goodness. Of what he should be doing, that fellow, what he should be doing. When now this fellow is telling you what you should be doing, because you have your part, you have your part, amen. So when you when 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 I see my children, and let me tell you, in this ministry. Now I'm going to tell you what my fulfillment is in this, in this ministry. Well, it always has been. And it was in my pastor led in that. And it's, and it's been my heart even as a pastor's wife is the fulfillment when you see people walking in the word. That's the greatest fulfillment ever. When you see people walking in what they've been taught. When you see people that you know, may know personally that may be struggling in the area, but you see them pressing. That's fulfillment. Saying, you know. "Oh, they get, they go, they they're getting it. They're getting, They're going. When I see people that I know, I could read their face. That is, haven't been a good day at home, but they pressed in anyway. They tell me they're trying. They they they're going to get it because they they keep pressing. They not back now. Those that back off, I ain't going because I'm mad and everything. I we now that's so unfulfilling. It makes you go back to the drawing board and say, "Well, what are we? Are we miss teaching something? My God, we done teach, taught our brains. Are they still there? But the fulfillment that I see that when I see young couples living like they're supposed to live and doing what they and striving to live a good life and going on and raising their children under the things of God—that's fulfillment." That is fulfillment. Now, I know for some people, but I'm going to tell you, I don't care what you think and how you think, because you don't know me like that. My fulfillment is not in what I drive. My fulfillment is not in where I live. Those things are fleeting and passing. I want something that's going to last forever. I'm going to impart it to your life. That's that's not, I mean, whatever I drive, it it might be, maybe it impresses you. But that's not my fulfillment. That's not my fulfillment. I live here now. What? Oh, is that your fulfillment that you live in a certain area now? Do you know? You know that's temporal, right? I don't care if you own it. It's still temporal. You're gonna leave that place. Don't find your fulfillment in those things. In the, not in any of those things. Amen? And whatever I have to sacrifice to do it, I'm alright with it. To have the fulfillment that God gives. Whatever I have to sacrifice, be alright with it. And you'll, you listen, you'll never find fulfillment in yourself. You'll search and search. You're never gonna find fulfillment in life if you're not improving in somebody else's life. If it's just all about you and just my family and nobody else, you never find fulfillment. Never find fulfillment. You take care of your family, of course, your family is important, to you. but do you put anything in anyone else's life? It's just unfulfilling. Not only is it unfulfilling, it's selfish that's all I'm thinking about is me whether you define it that way or not it is what it is it's selfish if you don't have any time in the day to bless anyone you're selfish whatever in whatever way it may be it's not in your work schedule hmm. It's not in your mindset. That's what it is. It's not in your mindset. Because, watch this. Every person that's streaming, every person in this room, any of you that don't do anything to blessing the brotherhood or the sisterhood or whatever way you want to call it, you know, because of this, that, somebody have the same job you have. Somebody have the same type of family demands that you have. Same kind. Some people or someone has the same obligations you have. Same type of bills. Same type of income. And guess what? The people in this room they show up every Sunday. They have the same thing. And some of you that stream it, you show up every Sunday. Some of you don't. But you, everybody's, got, everybody's got something going on. And we, we were meeting in person, and before when we came back that one time, I mean, let me tell you, the same person that have all the same obligations you had, they came in and made sure this place was ready to go. Made sure you had a seat even when you didn't come. So it's not about stuff. It's not about what you have to do. It's a mindset. And it's a selfish mindset. Then let me give you three definitions of what I mean by lay down your life. Because we hear these expressions and we want to move our minds past the, the generic Christian expression. To really understanding these things, what these things mean. People say, lay down your life. What does that mean? To lay down your life means to set aside feelings, set aside desires, and affections for the benefit of your brother or your sister. To set aside feelings, desires, And affections for the benefit of your brother and your sister. In other words, I'm gonna set aside how I feel. That's called laying down your life. Hmm. Sometimes that's hard to do. I'm just gonna set down my feelings. That's laying down your life. Well, I'm tired. I just don't feel like it see that that's that's us well really you well, what about me? I mean, I've been doing this so long. I've been doing this, I've been pouring out and pouring out when you know when is somebody gonna do something for me? Hmm. all those type of things get in our way. we don't see it well. You know, especially when we was in in person service. Oh, they want us to do this, and they want us to do that, and they want us to be there on Wednesdays, and they want us to do this, and we're going to do that, and, you know. They want us to give for this, and they want us to give for that, and they want to get I don't have nothing but a few dollars, you know. See, it's all about you. It's all about you. And listen, I understand that everybody don't always have resources. But what about fixing a chair in the in the in, in, in the church? I don't even see you doing that. Let's say you don't have the resources to give to this, that, or the other. Have you ever just picked up paper around here? Have you ever just went in the parking lot without the deacons doing it and you pick up some paper? I ain't picking up nobody's trash. Why? They probably picking up trash from your children in children's ministry. Your trash ain't holy, and theirs defile. How come you can't walk up and down the aisle, to make sure nobody put chewing gum on anything or just this thing? I might not have resources, but this is my church. Selfish. Did you hear me? It's called setting aside my desires. What I want. What I'd like to have. I'm going to set it all aside for the benefit of my brother and my sister. Amen. I'm going to set aside my affections of what I think I want. Or what I think I ought to have. I, I, I need to have that now. Or what I think I deserve. I'm going to set that aside for the benefits of my brother and my sister. Because it's our feelings and our desires and our affections that keep getting in our way of laying down our lives. You don't see it. It gets in the way. It just it stays right there. It's like, no, don't do it. You don't have to do that. Don't do that. Laying down your life means to serve with my time lived on earth. I need to serve with my time lived on earth. And that's a powerful definition. When you listen to it, listen, you have a, lim- you have a window of time here. You have a limited time here on earth. And laying down my life says when that limited time on earth is up, it's done. So I'm going to use it to serve someone else. Because you don't have forever. Know that you don't have forever. You just have a block of time. See, some of you that, that, that um, uh, regret some things about your founding pastors, regret some things you didn't do or you wish you would have did everything. Time was up. That time won't ever come back again. Because you only had a block of time to get it done. Now you're in another dispensation. And you only have a block of time to get this done. Just a block of time. And you want to use it all for yourself. You have to say, I'm not using all my time for myself. I'm going to use it to benefit some other." I've been given a block of time. I'm going to use this time that's been blacked out for me to serve someone else. To lay down my life means to give my very heart and soul to my brothers and my sisters. So to understand if I have a working relationship with God, I do not love the word only. Huh. I do not love the word only. Look at verse 18. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. (laughs) The word said love, not in word, neither in tongue. You know, I was wondering about that. I was wondering why it said in word and in tongue. Being that you have to use your tongue to say words. What does that mean in word and in tongue? But that word tongue there would better translate as dialect. In word and dialect. So what it's saying is don't love in something you say in a way that your people said in a dialect that you said. You know, and you know, Christians, we got a dialect. Hallelujah. Praise God. Di- a dialect. Amen. Amen. Step in there. And you know, we all kind of know the dialect. That lets you that, that, that's our signal to somebody else we' in, because we all say the same dialect. Hmm. So he said, "Don't go calling yourself loving just in word and dialect, just saying stuff." And that was good. I mean, because, see, we can say things at the end of the day, tell somebody you love them. That don't mean you really love them. That's dialect. I love you. Love you. Love you. Do you really? The, no, the best one of all is, I love you in the love of the Lord. And I still ain't figured out to this day what that means. I love you in the love of the Lord. Anything outside of that, I hate your tail. I mean, what what does what I love you with the love of the Lord? I want somebody to if 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 you if, would you inbox me or uh, uh, in, uh send it to the church and tell me what the love you with the love of the Lord. So dial I love you with the love of the Lord. Oh, and we got the a the, the, the big thing of uh, oh praying for you. You are. When? Uh, people got that big. Let somebody die. We praying for you. And then you're at churches at the window, but talking to them on that. We praying for you. You're ordering chicken. You are not praying for them. See, all that's just dialect talking. I'm praying for them. Oh, yes. Amen. Yeah, let's just pray. But that love you in the love of the Lord. I really want somebody to tell me about that. What does it mean? Don't ask me what it means because I don't know. That's just something that somebody picked up somewhere. Now this is even a better one so-and-so in our prayers. Let's keep them in our prayers. What? What happened? Well, God had them on my heart. I mean, it's heavy, too. It was just heavy on my heart. He just, you know, it was just burning into my heart. Oh, really? What, what? And, you know, you almost want to come in and just say, okay, let's pray. And say, yeah, because... I, what, a, what what okay, Amen. But well, what should we pray about? That husband been acting up. Here we go. And don't forget about that son Blue. He went back to jail. Yeah, he's 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 back in jail. And, and you see, they're a little testy. You know, you know, they're kind of a little offended now. You can tell in they they talking. it's because there's trouble in that house. Let's just pray. Let's pray for my It's just been heavy on my heart. Let's just pray. for. When are you going to pray? You're telling them everything that's going on. Yeah, let's just pray for that. And, you know, and, 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 and you might as well throw it in. Let's just pray that the drinking don't start back. Because that drinking might start back. They might be back to that too. Let's just pray. Oh, and then we have this big, let's pray that God break every chain. You you know you get real religious. Yes, we want to break every chain, God. Break every chain. Break that chain of liquor. You don't have to go through all that. All that's just dialect, just just, just talk, and I, that's called gossiping. If you gonna pray, pray. You don't even need. Why do you need a, a multitude to pray? You just go pray. If you know all that, you don't have to tell anybody, just go pray. But if you got to tell them everything that's going on, that's called a lie and gossip. And see, we've learned these things over time. We can say a lot of loving stuff. I love them and... Uh, I'm you know I love you with the love of the Lord. I you know I you know I I I love him so I'm going to pray for him. We can say all those things, but do we actually do it? Is the question. So God is reminding us this morning, don't get caught up with a bunch of lovely stuff. Lovely sayings and forget to put the love in it. We got all the lovely things we're going to do, but when are you going to put the love in it? And if we're honest, because I, you know, I can hear you from the stream laughing. But if we're honest, let's say we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That'll help us. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We don't need to do all that. Knowing when I have a working relationship with God, I have compassion. I have compassion means that I'm touched with my brother or my sister's needs. Their pain or their situation, I am touched by it. I'm not complaining about it, I'm touched by it. Listen, when I know I have a working relationship with God, you can't shut off Compassion. How many times does God have to tell you that? You cannot shut off compassion. When you have a working relationship with God, you cannot hurt. If you cannot hurt for people that are hurting, you have shut off compassion. When you have a working relationship with God, you cannot not feel when a person is in need and not do anything. When you're in a working relationship with God, your heart is going to break when somebody's heart is broken. I don't even care if they've done something to make you mad. If something happened to them that hurt them, it ought to hurt you. When you have a working relationship with God, you're going to mourn when they're mourning. When you have a working relationship with God... It does not allow you to have shut off your compassion. A working relationship with God will never let you shut off compassion. That's why I said you can't just look at people and never want to restore them. Or look at them like, "Mm -mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. But you were once there. Listen, when your compassion starts to wane, you have to check your relationship with God. When your compassion motivates you to do something, let me tell you, or something to try to help, that lets you know I have a working relationship with God because I have compassion for Him. Look at verse 17. But whosoever hath this world's goods good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? In other words, you have compassion, but you choose to shut it up. Now that's amazing. He said, you shut off the compassion. You have it, but you shut it off from that person. Hmm. Hmm. And I love that you notice that it didn't say when you see your brother have a need and you don't have compassion. It doesn't say that. It said when you see your brother have have a need and you shut off the compassion. I'm like what? Oh, I don't believe they need nothing. <coughs> I think they come up here every time for something. Oh, every time we have something, they're the first ones in line. Yeah, I make sure they get the worst of the worst. Shut off your compassion. You don't know what people's needs are. You don't know what people's needs are. You cannot just shut off compassion. If you can shut off compassion from those that need it, especially the brethren, something is wrong on the inside something is wrong there. Just shut off the door of compassion. You know, you can be righteous or think you so holy so long that you just start closing compassion on people because you feel like they need to be like you. Nobody needs to be like you. Nobody's going to be like you. They're going to be their own self person. And this is a good time before the end of the year to take this exam and pass it. Make sure you haven't closed the door of compassion. And you, can tell, and you can always tell if the door of compassion starts to close, when you start to complain how much help somebody else is getting. What does that have to do with you? I don't care what somebody else is getting. What does that have to do with you? Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm going I'm to say this to those of you that are members of Church of the Lemon Water. Anybody that have a need during the holiday season, and you need food, everything, you need to get in touch with Deacon Burris as soon as possible. And I know, you know, we we make it as very much so everybody don't, don't know anything. They don't need to know. But if you have a need, you don't just sit there and say, oh, well, I don't want to. If you, if your family need a meal, then we're here to provide it with much discretion as we can. And the people that I have in charge are people with discretion. And if I know that you have a problem with doing it, you won't be on that. And every one of our deacons have that kind of heart. They have discretion and they know how to get the job done. So if anyone have anything that they're having a problem with, and they're suffering, you don't have to sit at home and go without and just say, you know, no, because, you know, by faith, you know, you know, let God tell you, God is telling us now. Say, God tell them, I'm just not going to ask. Well, God is telling you now. And I'm telling you who to get in touch with. So you and so I just told you you don't even have to get in touch with the office. You can go straight to Deacon Burris and say this is what I want because it's a private matter. And we'll make sure your family have some food. We're not shutting up and saying, say oh well yeah they both work why not? Listen, this is what you need to understand that that that's been your whole problem. That's been your whole problem with Pastor Hill, myself, and anybody else. This is how you look. You can never tell by looking at some person what they have or don't have. You really can't. You think you can. You, you, you really think you can. You can find somebody that drive the nice car, dress the finest, everything, and you don't know if they, they probably don't have no food in their refrigerator if they went bankrupt. They might still have the things, but you look at them like they have everything they need. How do you know? Because you just look at them and see. Then you can look at somebody that don't dress worth nothing everything. They might be a millionaire, but just don't like to buy clothes. How do you know? You don't know. But if you try to judge them by what you're looking at, you already missed it. That's why you ought to have your fingers on the pulse of God and have a working relationship with him. So he'll tell you what to do and you'll know what to do. But if you're trying to judge by what you think, no, they couldn't. They couldn't need nothing. Well, well, they got good jobs. How do I know? I don't just look at people and give because I think that they need something. And I don't give it to them because they do or don't need something. I give it to them because I'm led to. and they don't have to explain you can't shut off compassion you can't shut off compassion and you can't judge by what you think you see did you hear me you can't and you can't judge because what you what you see like in 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 person services you see people do this or that. I've been watching them and I saw this and I saw that. That that doesn't mean anything. That's not your concern. Can't you just be happy that a need is met instead of complaining about what they get? What they got that? How much? What they get? What? what that's why only certain people know certain things. Is not your concern. Everybody don't need to know every situation because everybody's heart is not in the same place. They got a turkey? Well, did you buy the turkey? You didn't buy it, so what difference does it make to you? If they want to spend their money like that, yeah, it's their money. When I have a working relationship with God is "I love indeed. Love indeed means I do something." Or I work. That's what it means. Deeds are just works. Listen, we can work. We can have a relationship with God. You're going to do something. You can't just sit on the sideline. You can't make excuses we got to put our love into action. We have to put our love into motion. And not only love, indeed, but we also our love in truth. I love what it said there in the word. It's love in truth. In truth. And we've learned about truth just previously. That is, our love according to the will of God. That's how I'm going to love. I'm going to love according to the will of God. That's just how I'm going to love. The Bible tells us how to love everybody. And I'll love them according to how the Bible tells me to love them. Not how you think I ought to love them. The, Lord, the Bible tells me I need to pray for them. I'm going to pray to them according to what the Word tells me to pray for them. Not how you think I should pray for them. The Bible tells us, listen, to be slow to speak. If God says be slow to speak, then shut up. Be very slow to speak. Did you hear? However, the Bible have instructed you, and me. That is what we do. However, it has instructed us to love a person. That is what how we love them, not the way we think they ought to be loved. Now I'm gonna give them this kind of love, but I ain't giving them all of that. Well, now, no, no, you gotta give. You gotta love them the way God said love them. you got to love them freely. That's how the Bible tells us. Love without prejudice and without pretense. Ooh. Don't love with prejudice and pretense. That means I'm going to love without respect to what race a person is. That's a good one. I'm going to love without respect... Of what class they are, what color they are, what ethnicity they are, what income bracket they come from, how they got to the church. I'm going to love out of, you know know what, I have to love past their, uh, their physical appearance. That's called loving without prejudice and without pretense. And listen, there's a lot of prejudice other than color prejudice. I want you to know that. See, that's that's, that's the first thing we run to. It's color prejudice. But there's a lot of prejudice past that. There's age prejudice. (laughs) Appearance prejudice. Mm. They don't dress like me. They don't smell like me. Well, nobody want to dress like you. And nobody want to smell like you. There's neighborhood prejudice. Yeah, I don't talk to that one over there because you know, I can tell right away they, mm. they trailer park. So I ain't even trying to hear them because I'm bougie. Have you ever have you ever met broken bougie? Yeah, you that? Oh. There's whether or not you know all the church stuff, prejudice. No, you ain't in the in group, so you don't even know all of that. See, there's many other prejudices other than color. I'm going to love without prejudice and without pretense. Then I know that I have a working relationship with God. Because it's in my heart, and it's a heart condition. When I'm close to God... And I'm near to Him. When I have a working relationship with Him. When I'm abiding in Him. Living in Him. Remaining in Him. And continuing in Him. God knows my heart. This is the thing about, this, about God knowing our hearts. God knows our heart, but so do we. Let's take it. We're going to end with this, but let's let's look at that for just a second. I said God knows our heart, but so does we. We know our heart as well. Listen, people know the fruit that at some point flows from the heart. Listen to me closely. People know the fruit. That at some point point flows from the heart, but God knows our heart. But He's not the only one that knows our heart. We know our heart. You know your heart just like God knows it. Did you Did you hear me? Think of that. You know your heart just like God knows it. Let me give you an example. Sometimes a person will praise you, but you know your heart. What you did really doesn't deserve the praise, and you know it. You to accept the praise, but you know your heart. And you know they're giving you praise, and you know in your heart you really don't deserve that. But you receive it. God and you know your heart. Why you did what you did. There are times, listen, people criticize you. And you know your heart. And you know that what you meant did not deserve criticism. But you know your heart. You like what well, they criticize, but I know what I meant and I know what's in my heart. So it doesn't it doesn't matter because you know your heart. And so does God. Are you understanding me? I want you to know that God everything that God knows about your heart, you know. You know when you're not right to your heart, even though you're grinning. Good morning. Heart nasty is all get out. You know it and God knows it. Now, the fruit that's coming out that people see is pleasant. But God said, but I ain't looking at that. I'm looking at your heart. Listen, there's some people listening this morning. God knows your heart. Listen, everybody may think something about you, but God knows your heart, and so do you. It doesn't matter what people think about you. You and God knows your heart. And some of you have all kinds of thoughts. And some people have all kinds of thoughts about you, but you know your heart. Look at verse 19. And hereby you know that you are of truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if your heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if your heart condemns us not, then have we confidence towards God? Church, if you're listening and your heart is condemning you about what I just said, God is greater than that. He's greater than your heart. And that's why he's giving it to you and showing it to you. God is greater than your heart. He knows you from the inside. And you know you. And I believe God has brought some of us here this morning. I believe that with my whole heart. Because in our hearts, we know that we're not right. In your heart, you know it. We don't need anybody to tell us. That we, Because our heart, because we know our heart, we know it. You know where you were, and you know who you are, and you know your heart. And I'm out of time, but God is not. But I want you to grab this. Grab this. Hold on to it and say, God, I see it.